Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Ah, hello. Uh, welcome to Living Free on 3CR Community Radio, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial. Thanks to the Ruminations crew for another great show highlighting issues around homelessness. Uh, my name's Bill, and for the next hour, my guests will be sharing their journey of recovery from active drug addiction. I'd like to welcome John and Dave to the 3CR studio this afternoon. Hi. Hi, Bill. Hi, Bill. Right. Sorry. Uh, as members of Narcotics Anonymous, they're going to share their experience with drug addiction and how Narcotics Anonymous has helped them. Um, well, we usually start by talking about what, what life like was what life was like growing up and how you sort of got involved with, with drugs and stuff like that, drugs and alcohol. So, um, John, do you want to start us off? How was life? Uh, yeah, thanks, Bill. Um, basically, um, well, I look at my addiction starting before I picked up a drug and, uh, you know, I'm a small set sort of fella and, um, you know, I, I grew up in a fairly good family environment, um, but when I went to school, I was the guy that the bully would pick on and they'd beat up and take my lunch money and all that sort of stuff. And, uh you know, I've got a big brother who's a bigger set guy and a bit of a mean sort of a character. And um, like most young kids, I idolised my big brother. I wanted to be just like him. So when I get into high school, I decided to join a gang. And, um, you know, along with the gang came alcohol, drugs, and uh, also crime become part of my really early story. You know, I used to go out on the weekends and just hang out with the guys and just, you know, do the um, alcohol. And, um, you know, other drugs came into it fairly quickly. And I found that uh, if I did the other drugs, I couldn't drink. I always used to what I call green out or throw up. So I just switched to the other drugs and left alcohol alone. And um, so, what what were you primarily using? Uh, in the early days, well, it started out like I said with alcohol, but it very quickly became cannabis. And then um, speed when I was fifteen, um, you know. And then I didn't. Uh, the very first time I used speed, I injected it. I didn't um, go any other way. So sort of like from that point on, I felt that was the only way I could do it. Um, and um, you know, then I, I tried different drugs over different times. You know, depending on. Um, what situation I was with, who I'm hanging out with, and uh, the availability of my other drugs. I, you know, if I couldn't get them, I'd, someone would say, oh, look, have a go at this. I think, oh, yeah, okay, I'll do that, you know. And, um, yeah. so I really didn't have a drug of choice, so to speak. <laughs> right. So how, how old were you when you started? Uh, I started at 14, um, and I didn't stop using until I was 47. Okay, so you're pretty experienced. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I suppose I've got a PhD in, in uh, addiction, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so what did your family think when you started using drugs? Uh, well, my dad's um, very anti-drugs. He was not very appreciative of it. He was very um, quiet about the whole thing um, to a degree. But my mum um, was very vocal and she uh, she had a bit of a check at past when she was younger. So she sort of understood in a way, but she didn't appreciate the fact that I'd bring my friends home, things like that, which she didn't really like. And she had rules and um and I, you know, being a young fellow and being on drugs, I didn't like rules either. So I sort of come in and out of the house. Um, you know, I, I grew up on the streets a fair bit. You know, but um, I always had a place in my head. What I call a cotton wool mum, and she'd always bring me back home when my life became really, really bad. And um, then I'd leave again. You know, <laughs> yeah, because you couldn't get on. Well, not so I couldn't get. I just couldn't use the drugs I wanted to the way I wanted to at home. And, and mum would crack down, so I'd say, "Yeah, you can get out of here and um, you know just up and leave and go back to the streets and yeah. live life like that." Yeah. So, what was it like living on the streets as a fifteen, sixteen-year-old? Uh, well, to be honest, I mean, when I'm living on the streets, I you know look, I'm, I'm in victim mode, and it's, you know, poor me. But looking back in hindsight, I actually enjoyed the drama. 
Um, there's always excitement. There's always something happening. Um, you know, there's chaos, you know, and, and there's always danger there. But um, I sort of thrived on that sort of thrill of the street, um, to be honest. And, uh, look, I slept in Brotherhood Binge and, you know, I'd make up certain ways. I used to go to hospitals a lot and have a shower in the hospital. Okay. i just walk straight into a ward and have a shower and then I'd get kids out of the hospital, of course, yeah. at least out of shower, <laughs> you know, and uh, things like that. So I always had that sort of ways of manipulating getting around. So I sort of had to come up with a scheming sort of way. So I, I learned a lot of scheming activity on the street, you know, and how yeah. to get by. Yeah. And as a drug user, you'd often have to lie and deceive other people anyway. Yeah. Just well, to get by. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You know, like, and I've become a sort of an expert at that. And um, the more I did it, the more I had to do it, you know. And yeah. um, it was just part of my lifestyle back then. Okay. Know? So how did you fund your drugs, drug use? Uh, criminal activity was the main reason. My, my, like, I was never a, a job person. Like, I, well, if, if, even if I got a job, which was very randomly, but if I got a job, I couldn't do my drugs while I'm on site or doing anything. So I didn't leave or get kicked away. I wouldn't turn up. So, you know, so breaking into people's homes, um, stealing things, um, a few armed robberies thrown in there, things like that was part of my story right from day one. Uh, and criminal activity come hand in hand with the gang mentality. Yeah. It was part of gang style of stuff. So, you know, it was all part of um, being part of that gang and being part of that culture. Yeah. So how did the did the gang help you live on the street? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> it was your well, problem. No, no, they didn't help me live on the street. They just... Um, yeah, you know, supported me with a bit of a fellowship. Oh, not fellowship, but more of a camaraderie-ship. And um, back in those days, um, gang violence was very, very prolific. Um, and there was actually organised gangs, like proper organised gangs, and we'd have gang fights. So it was more a sense of um, being part of something and being tough, you know, yeah. and being that sort of person you don't mess around because I've got all this backup behind me. Yeah, okay, right. You know? Good. Uh, okay, Dave, we'll start with you. So how was, how was your life and how did you get involved with drugs? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's an interesting story. I, for me, it's an interesting story. I look back at it and I think, well, I come from a loving family. Um, and I thought, uh, you know, I had a, a fairly good upbringing, um, but I was always surrounded by drugs and alcohol. Uh, and, and that was just the culture from a very young age, from as long as I can remember. You know, I was um, I was going through high school and I, I, for me it was just uh, very normal for, for kids to be drinking up, you know, picking up the drink and... Um, and, and doing a little bit of weed and, you know, and maybe a little bit of coke and all that sort of stuff, um, you know, and, and really I, my, my addiction didn't probably kick off until I was about 19, you know, I was diagnosed with a mental illness and they, give me, they gave me some uh, prescription pills and the prescription pills uh, I found, you know, they, they relaxed me, they sort of helped me and uh, the problem was that I, I kept on abusing them, you know, and... Um, it wasn't long before, you know, I was having to find other doctors, you know, do the doctor shopping, and um, I was trying to maintain a, you know, a, a marriage at the time, and I was, uh, I was employed, and I was trying to trying to dodge the employer most of the time, you know, because <laughs> they'll do the testing, and I'll think, oh no, I'm gone, and uh, yeah, you know, that lasted for for probably until I was about thirty, you know, and, and I, uh, I don't know, it was a it was a hard charade to put up, you know, and. Um, at the end of the day, um, my wife had had enough and my boss had had enough and, you know, I was running out of uh, places to turn. You know, yeah. I was, um, you know, I, I found myself, um, basically, I couldn't figure out what to do. You know, I, um, my wife said, you know, you've got a drug problem. And I said, no, I haven't got a drug problem. I've just been going through a rough time for the last 15 years. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it come apparent to me when, you know, when I, I kept on kept on running out of stuff and I, I um, 
you know, I was trying to find more drugs. You know, I, I moved next door to a to a guy who uh, who became a dealer. You know, became my dealer. You know, and I become very dependent on. You know, and um, you know, he supplied me for quite some time, and you know, he introduced me to uh, heroin, which was my drug of choice back in the day. You know, and um, I fell in love with it. It gave me it gave me probably what I was looking for at the time. But it also created a lot of problems in my life. It uh, created deceit. Um, you know, I'd become a liar, a cheat, and a thief. You know, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to break that cycle. Yeah. So, um, how did you afford it? Well, I was working at the time. Um, you know, I was earning a good dollar. You know, I had a ten-acre property, a house, and um, the wife was working at the time. And I had two really good credit cards, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, they were they were pretty quickly maxed out. And um, I uh, I sold a lot of things. You know, I um, I worked hard, but I, I I ended up selling a lot of stuff to um, to supply my drug habit. You know, and when you're you're getting legal legal prescription drugs, you know, I find that uh, like a lot of it was done um, it was done on the down low. You know, you could you could get reasonably cheap prescription pills if you looked in the right places. Right. Yeah, but uh, that only lasts for so long. Yeah. You know, and um, eventually, you know, everything catches up with you, and that caught up with me. And as I said, you know, the wife had, had enough, and you know, the boss had, had enough, and I lost my wife, and my job, and my property, and in the end, all my money. And you know, I, I ended up in a psych ward, and yeah. uh, I did that a couple of times, and. You know, I couldn't find out why I kept on using. You know, I just couldn't get out of that cycle. And I didn't, I really didn't have any other tools. You know, so uh, they put me into a rehab. You know, they put me into a, a rehab and they thought, well, okay, that'll be that'll be the solution. And, uh, the, you know, I spent 30 days in a rehab and I come out a, a little bit healthier, a little bit happier. You know, and they introduced me to a place called uh, Narcotics Anonymous. You know, and I, I gave that a go. You know, and I know I met people there that had travelled the same road that I'd travelled. You know, and they they knew that pain and the misery of using. You know, and they knew the deceit, they knew the manipulation. You know, and what I found is like they had a solution to my problem. You know, because we'd all been travelling that same road. You know, and I found that uh, you know they were good people. You know, not only can I get it, get clean in this place? But you know, I, I can build relationships. You know, and uh, so I stuck around there for about three months. Yeah, that's 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 about as long as I could do. And I've got to tell you, life got pretty good. Got pretty good pretty quick. And um, what I found was that you know I had a relationship, and I started working again. You know, I hadn't worked in quite a few years, and. Um, you know, I, um, I started living an enjoyable life and unfortunately what happened then was NA become probably a backseat thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and um, the uh, the people kept on calling me and um, they said, you know, why aren't you going to meetings? And I'm saying, you know, because I've got other things on and you know, I, made, uh, I made other things a priority. You know, and, uh, you know, I've become sick again. You know, yeah. I started using again and... The uh, the relationship broke down and the job went, you know, and life became very destructive again. And I ended up in front of the courts on multiple occasions, doing um, doing things I'm not proud of. You know, I'd um, 
I'd been doing assaults and burglaries and forging things and, you know, the, the courts had sort of become used to my face and they said to me, look, you know, you really got to do something with your life, you know. You're a young man, you got to do something because the, the way you're, you're heading down at the moment is you're heading to jail. Yeah. You know, and um, so I, I tried a number of rehabs and detoxes again. You know, and, um, you know, I'd be able to stay clean for about, you know, 30 days or 60 days if I was lucky, you know, if I was on a really good roll. But I kept on going back out and I kept on using, you know, because I, I just didn't have a, a solution. You know, my, my solution each time the problem on my life rose was that I'd use a drug. Yeah, OK. Yeah. <laughs> um, John, what what about you? Um, so you, similar, similar start but different different uh, yeah. path so around 16 you um you're on the streets and so what happened yeah um from the age of 15 i went uh, into a ytc or a boys home um but then i come back out and i'd go back to the street or back home for a short period you know and um that seemed to be a pattern that i was forming quite well and um by the time i was 17 i was in a adult prison um one of the youngest blokes in jail then and um you know like the funny thing is I came out of a jail and it actually served a purpose, like made me that tougher the guy that I've ever been before, you know, because I was a young fellow and I'd come back out and, and you know, I sort of had that <clears throat> that large and life image of myself and um, with that became this this tough guy image, like don't mess with me. And uh, all it did was um, escalate my drug use to the fact that I'd be hanging with uh, a bigger older people because um, I had a bit of street cred by then, you know, and uh, which, you know, <laughs> I looked back and I thought it was great at the time, you know, <laughs> but um, hindsight wasn't so good. <laughs> And um, so I'd mix with different people and I started taking different types of drugs and, uh, and any drug was on the market for me. Um, yeah, and my crime crime just kept going and it's a way to supplement my income. Um, I never really paid for any housing. Um, like I, if I got a place, I'd, you know, I'd pay the first couple of weeks rent or whatever, but then I'd make excuse after excuse why I couldn't. I mean, I had the money, but my money was being used for drugs and recreational stuff and uh, like there's no way I was paying for rent money, you know. And, yep. uh, and I couldn't understand why a real estate agent would kick me out if I hadn't paid the rent for two months. I promised I'd pay it next week, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you were trustworthy. Yeah, of course I was. Yeah, my, my word is my bond, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but that was, that was just part of my story. Like it was just constant in and out of um, jails and boys' homes and also street life, you know. And, uh, yeah. and that became a drag after 10 years, though. Yeah. So I understand you... Um, you're anti-heroin initially, yeah. but then heroin became your drug of choice. So yeah. why why were you anti initially? Well, well, I wouldn't say we were a drug of choice to say. <laughs> um, no, I was anti-heroin because I, I grew up on the um, Fitzroy Street, St Kilda, um, back in the day when like it was really really bad, um, and it was everywhere. Heroin was everywhere back then, and um, you know, like I'd see that people were on full time heroin, full time heroin users, and like they looked really terrible. You know, they they. Were, passing down the street and they're rubbing their nose and throwing up. Oh, who'd want to do that, you know? So that was my version, my view of a heroin addict. Um, but then a friend of mine, uh, just in those moments, you know, and he said, oh, look, I've been using heroin for 12 years, and he said, you don't know what you're talking about. And he, I, he spoke to me for about an hour and tried to educate me on heroin use. And so I thought, oh, okay, I'll give it a shot. And, um, you know, and I first used heroin when I was 19, and then the first time I tried it, I thought, now I understand, you know, and, uh, and I got that sense, you know, that that... That feeling that every person who uses heroin probably for the very first time gets that sort of sensation. And um, But I was also aware that I didn't want to end up on the streets like those people. Uh, and I'm more of an upper sort of person uh, where yeah. heroin is a downer. So, yeah. 
It's just something I tried because I'm, and I, like I used to class myself a professional drug addict. Like I'll try any drug you put in front of me. I don't have a drug of choice as a yeah. drug addict. I okay. just take whatever you in front of me. Right, okay. <laughs> Good approach to life. Um, so back to you, um, Dave. Um, so you grew up in a, in a great family. So what, how, did the, how did your family react when you, as, a, as a young, as a teenager, you started taking drugs and getting involved with a whole lot of um, bad people? My, my parents were very, very relaxed. Um, and there was never a real big deal about anything. I remember when I was about 12 and, you know, I'd, I'd come home and, you know, I'd told, the, I told my mum at the time, you know, I'd had a drink. You know, I didn't tell her that I'd passed out, but, you know, I told her and she sort of fobbed it off. You know, I remember I was about probably eight and I had a cigarette and it was, well, you know, everybody tries it. You know, so she thought it was just a stage at that time. And, you know, my dad was, he was always busy, you know, he was always working and, you know, like he didn't pay a great deal of attention, you know, and, you know, like both my, my brother and my sister, you know, they they were... Um, they do like a drink themselves, you know, so yep. it was fairly par for the course for my family. And, um, you know, for me, it, it just escalated. You know, it escalated past the alcohol and past the weed and uh, and, and it ended up as, as a heroin addict, addict and um, I ended up using benzos and ended up using opiates and all that sort of stuff. You know, I, I'll get off on the down stuff, you know, if I get, yeah. you know, something that makes me relax. You know, I'm a bit of a worrier if, you know, if I'm not worried because I'm, you know, if I'm not worrying, then I'm worried because yeah. I'm not worrying. <laughs> Something's wrong. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, this took the edge off. And um, unfortunately, you know, you, you live a lifestyle with that, you know, and unfortunately I, I didn't know what that involved. I didn't know how to live that lifestyle. You know, I know I'm, I wanted drugs, but I, I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. Know? So how did you form a relationship when you're in that drug-using situation? How, how does that... How can you have a good relationship? Well, well, my wife and... Or my ex-wife, I should say, and I, we, we dated since high school. Yeah. So, um, like, we were high school sweethearts and we ended up getting married and, you know, you know God love her, she, uh, she did as much as she could. She hung in for as long as she could, and um, she put up a lot of, with a lot of my crap, yeah. you know. And um, you know, she just couldn't she couldn't deal with uh, not only me being a, her- a heroin addict and, and amongst other things, but she couldn't deal with uh, you know the loss of things we were getting and how uh, non productive I'd been. You know, I'd, I'd gone from a stage where I, I looked like making something in myself to a yeah. stage where this guy's barely living. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, not a good look. No, no, mate, no. Okay, then. You're listening to Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. Podcasts of the Living Free Show are available on 3cr.org.au forward slash living free and also on iTunes. If you've got a question or comment about the show, then you can call the station on 94198377. Or send us an email at 3crlivingfree at gmail.com. We're just starting up a Facebook page too at 3crlivingfree. And we have a Twitter account now, which is at 3crlivingfree. Um, as you may be aware, the 3CR Radiothon is coming to Living Free on the 14th of June. We hope that you enjoy the show and are willing to financially support Living Free to keep us on air on 3CR. Uh, the Radiothon theme this year is Fight for Your Mic. 
and that pretty much sums up Living Free. We're all about sharing the personal recovery stories of alcoholics, gamblers, food and drug addicts and their families. Remember, your support will keep our message of hope on the airwaves. Uh, My guests volunteer their time to share their experience of the adverse effects of gambling, alcohol, drugs in their lives and hoping that others in similar situations may choose to find help. Uh, I'll just play you a quick Radiothon announcement. 3CR Radiothon 2018, Fight for Your Mic. The 3CR annual Radiothon fundraiser is almost here. From June the 4th to the 17th, we're asking you to help us stay on air by making a generous donation. Any amount you can afford makes a big difference, and all donations over $2 are tax deductible. To donate, call... 039419 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. 3CR Radiothon 2018. Fight for your mic. Come and see Bart Willoughby's album, Resonance, live on June the 2nd at Fitzroy Town Hall. Doors open at 7pm and show starts at 7.30. Featuring all tracks from Bart Willoughby's latest album, Resonance, a combination of reggae, jazz, opera and Middle Eastern music in celebration of Reconciliation Week. Saturday, June the 2nd. Tickets available through tickyboo.com.au. Check out our Facebook page or website for further details. A 3CR supporter. Ah, so welcome back. Uh, you're listening to Living Free um, on 3CR. My guests today are John and Dave. Uh, they're members of Narcotics Anonymous, and they're sharing their recovery uh, story with us. Um, so I, I think, John, we left you. You, I think you'd just gone to jail. You were about 30. <laughs> you'd just gone to jail. You were a bit of a career criminal. So how did life pan out? Yeah, well, um, yeah like I said, I, I kept going back in and out of jail and... Um, Basically, my criminal activity ceased to happen when my son was born. I was 30 years old and I was back in jail for about the fifth time that it was. And uh, I decided I wanted to be a good dad and I, my brother's a career criminal and uh, I decided I didn't want to be a my big brother for the first time in my life. I didn't want to be like that. And, uh, you know, I made a conscious decision to stop committing crime. Um, but, you know, like uh, the problem was my crime supplemented my, um, my drug abuse and uh, when I got out of jail, I didn't have a, a means you know, to continue my, my drug addiction. Uh, certainly it doesn't give me enough money to continue the way I was doing it. So I, I ended up becoming a drug dealer. And um, to me, that was the most logical thing to do. Um, but I was living with his, my son's mother at the time, and uh, a year and a half of doing that, you know, both of us being drug addicts with drug... Um, myself being a drug dealer, and she ended up leaving me when he was a year and a half old. Uh, and that just gave me an excuse. Not that I needed an excuse, but it gave me an excuse to escalate my drug use. And I found that that happened quite often in my life. I'd just up the ante a bit more and um, as the progression happened. You know, and that went on for a number of years. And then my son was five years old and his mother, she um, passed away due to addiction. Um, then I was left with my son on my own, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I just um, used all the charities, um, lived off charities, and I played the victim. You know, I used my son as a trump card. You know, like um, I knew they wouldn't leave me alone on the streets with my son, so I just keep yeah. living off the charities for quite a long time. Yeah, then I, um, when my son was seven, I um, sought help for my drug addiction and went into my detox for the very first time, and that's when I first heard about NA. Um, 
Yeah, okay. So what, what did you think of NA on your first site? <laughs> my, my very first meeting of NA was from a detox. They don't do it anymore. They used to take you into, a, um, into an NA meeting from the detox. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time I saw NA, um, first of all, I saw these bunch of drug addicts sitting around all seemed to be fairly happy, and I thought they'd found some sort of serious drug I didn't know about. Because <laughs> 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 uh, um, in my head, which is quite crazy at times, is... Uh, I couldn't understand how you could have fun without drugs in your system. Yeah. Um, the incentive of that, I was miserable with the drug in my system. You know, but that's what I thought back then. And um, but when I did come out of detox, I did do NA for quite a, for about three months. Um, I think that's quite a standard stint. It's like um, you know, and then um, you know, uh, my head ran away with me, and I ended up using again and stayed back out there for another ten years. Going so, so this is on the streets with the sun. Yeah, yeah, well, I was, yeah. I was living on the streets to a degree. Well, not, only a couple of nights we'd spend at railway stations and things like that. Um, but most of the time I'd be put up in transitional homes. They'd pay for motel suites, caravan parks, like the charities would do that. Yeah. And my son, um, funny enough, he used to like the motels, didn't like the caravans. So I was really wrapped when they give us a motel. <laughs> I think this is fantastic. Um, yeah. but, you know, that's the way he grew up. Yeah. You know? And that's re- when I look back on now, it's really sad that the child had to go through that. But that's just where my addiction took me, you know, and my son. Yeah, because I guess the main thing is that from a person who's never experienced that, that just the loss of all your belongings, you know, or just having to carry them around must have been terrible. Well, <laughs> no, the thing is, that I remember one time we had a trolley full, a couple of suitcases trolley, and they moved us from one place to another. It, wasn't, it was only two streets away, so we got a shopping trolley and put our suitcase in the shopping trolley and just moved them. Yeah. Um, but basically, I was very light, uh, and I always say, I'm really sad now. I look, I, all the things I look back on now are really, really sad. Um, my son had a collection of toys he'd, you know, build up over a period of time as kids do. And when we had to move, I had to say, look, mate, we can't take this, we can't take this. There's only a few things you can take with you. Yeah. You know, and same with my possessions. Like, I had to downsize all the time. I never really maintained any big, you know... No like, collections. Yeah, I was always <laughs> travelling light. Always yeah. had to travel light. And that is my son was the same way. Yeah, okay. Um, so, Dave, um, I think you... Yeah, we sort of got up where you... Um, Got left NA for about six years, and you ended up in court a few times. So, how how was that? Yeah. It was challenging, yeah. very challenging. Um, you know, I, my my addiction and had, had actually had an in- increased. You know, it, it had really taken off. I didn't think life could get any worse. You know, I thought once I lost all my possessions and all my money and. And and everything else that goes with it, along the lines of jobs and and and, and wife and um, you know, but things continue to get worse. And, and what I say by that is that I I, uh, I overdosed. You know, I continued to overdose. You know, I, I was on methadone for a little while, and um, I didn't manage that too well. And uh, you know, I kept on overdosing. And luckily, like I was living with uh, with my parents at the time. My dad had cancer, and um, he would say, uh, you know, be careful how much you take, and you know, don't mix, uh, don't mix your drugs. And um, you know, I remember one day he came into the room, and you know, I wasn't breathing. You know, he pulled me out, and he had cancer at the time, and he pulled me out of bed, and he started doing CPR on me. Wow. And uh, yeah, the ambos come along, and they narcane me, and um, you know, I'd come to the decision that basically I'm going to die a drug addict, you know, because I didn't know any other way. Yeah, you know, and um, they they convinced me to go into another rehab, you know, and, and I honestly thought that it's not going to make any difference, you know, and uh, luckily, you know, I had some people come in there at the time, 
like uh, what Johnny did. You know, they come in from Narcotics Anonymous and they told their story and, you know, I got a bit of hope. You know, and I thought, well, you know, it worked, sort of worked last time because I put in, I put in three months and life got pretty good. Yeah. What have I got to lose? So I went back and, you know, I, um, I, I started doing meetings, you know, and I had that, I had that face that, you know, don't come near me, I don't want to talk to you, and uh, they didn't stop the people, you know, they, they yeah. come along and, you know, they, they started supporting me and they gave me numbers and, um, you know, I started feeling part of. Yeah. Know, and that was probably the real start of my my journey of recovery, you know, uh, just reconnecting with with people who had found a way uh, of living life without a drug, and they were actually happy about it. Yeah, you know, that's what surprised me. Yeah, and go into this room, and these people are clean, and they're laughing and they're giggling and they're having a good time, and I'm thinking, what's going on? Yeah, yeah this is not right. Come on, and um, you know, I. Uh, I knew somewhere within me, within my soul, I knew somewhere that this was the place for me. So had you burnt off all your other supports? Definitely, definitely. Um, So what about your family? What was was your situation with them? uh, It was very eruptive. You know, um, we, my uh, my brother and my sister, you know, we, we were fighting a lot and... You know, I, I'd played that old blame game, you know, where it's, uh, it doesn't matter what happens, it's your fault. And even if I'm caught with my hand in the cookie jar, it's still your fault. Yeah. You know, I'm only <laughs> doing it because. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, look, I, I become very resentful, you know, and um, it had come to a stage where, you know, I'd, I'd actually seriously considering knocking them, you know, yeah. and, um, you know, this just wasn't me. This is not the way I was brought up. You know, and so yeah, I bought those. I, I burnt those supports. Um, I had cousins and all that sort of thing. They didn't want to know me. Yes. You know, the friends were were basically uh, were burnt. You know, I, I'd done enough to them to say, you know, they'd said, no, we don't want to want to have anything to do with you anymore. I remember going to my dealer at one stage, and he said to me, I don't want to deal with you anymore. Yeah, you right. Know, so yeah, that's, that's a serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so. Um, you know, and which indicated to me that basically, mate, you're running out of options. Yeah. You know, so I, I thought to myself, well, you know, perfect time to to get to a rehab. And even though I did that, you know, I went in kicking and screaming, you know, and, and lucky I stayed. You know, and uh, you know, I went to Narcotics Anonymous, and, and you know, I found people like Johnny here, and Johnny was my first sponsor. <laughs> you know, and he, he really, he really helped me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what was different this time to all the other times? I'd come to that stage where I was completely broken. Right. I'd come to that stage where, Dave, if you continue to do what you're doing, mate, you're not going to be on this earth for very long. You know, you can only overdose so many times. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The odds are against you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so back to you, John. Um, I think we left you... you Went into detox, into NA for three months. Um, what happened? Um, basically what happened is um, I left NA, I relapsed, and um, kept relapsing um, on and off five or six times. Um, and it, about, roughly about every two years I'd go back to a detox, and every time I came out of a detox, I believed I was never going to use again. I'm done. I've learnt more about myself. I, I'm truly ready this time. You know, this time. Yep. And I, every time I was determined, I was never, ever going to use again. And... Um, 
you know, within the space of one day, two days, a week maximum, I think it was, that uh, yeah, I'll be back using the same as always had and uh, the same pain, the same misery, the same lifestyle. It was just repeating itself over and over again. And, uh, yeah, the last time I, um, last weekend I used, well, lean up um, eight months before I finished using and I stopped using, uh, my, my son left me at the, just after his 16th birthday and he uh, walked to my room and said, Dad, I'm leaving home. And I said, why, mate, what's going on? And he said, Dad, I've lost all respect for you. You know, and uh, my son's not a drug addict. And, um, you know, it didn't really hit me what he'd said that day, but it hit me a couple of days later that he wasn't in the house anymore, and that sort of really upset me a fair bit. And uh, I just upped the ante on my drug use again and increased the state like, a phenomenal rate of use. And in that process of that eight months, um, I did a lot of damage to people, uh, especially including myself. Um, I hated myself with a vengeance, you know, and I did that for a long time, and I hated the world, everything like that. But anyhow, um, I got to the place, and like Dave said, I think a lot of acts do get to that point where it's uh, do or die, you know. And um, I was actually, I, I tried suicide in the past a number of times, but this time that was it, I've done, I'm, I'm ready to die, you know. And, uh, but I didn't really want to do that, and I thought I'll put myself back into a detox. So I came in and out of a detox, seven days later I came out, and um, no one wanted to know me, you know. Um, I had people who wanted to kill me, literally kill me. Um, and I didn't feel too good coming out of the detox this last one, and um, but I don't know, somehow some magical thing happened and they popped into my head out of nowhere, you know, and uh, I went back to NA in total desperation this time round, and uh, funny thing was um, I'd seen the same thing I'd seen 10 years ago. I went to a meeting, I saw these happy people and all that, and I didn't understand that at all. But uh, instead of looking at them like they'd found a super drug, I looked at these people and thought, I want what they've got. I want to know what it's like to be happy without a drug in my system because I had no concept of that whatsoever. Um so yeah, that was um, that was nearly six years ago, and I went into NA, and like Dave said, I, I um, heard all these things that they asked you to do, you know, to stay clean, you know, and um, I thought, well, might I do anything to get on? So if I'm in recovery, I need to do anything to stay clean, you know, and, yeah. and I did everything that was possibly asked of me, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, the journey starts from there. Recovery starts from that point onwards, and I'm, yeah, it's like NA's just absolutely done an amazing, amazing program it has for someone as messed up as me. Like I, I never thought, you know, this. this, this recovery of any form would be possible like one day clean for me was really scary yeah okay right uh you're listening to living free on 3cr on digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming i'm talking to john and dave about uh narcotics anonymous and recovery from drug addiction um so i'll start with you john um so you've been in na for six years yeah, roughly. Oh, five years, eleven months, and fourteen days. Yeah, close enough. Yeah, that'll be. <laughs> um, so, how's life different now than what it was before? So, what are the what are the major takeouts of being drug free? Oh man, it's like a polar opposite. Um, basically, uh, well, today I, um, I I actually like who I am. Like I actually like myself. Um, I've learned responsibility. I've learned things called, and words I didn't even know, like empathy. Yeah. Like I didn't like anybody, you know, I had no feelings for anybody. So I learned empathy, um, compassion, and understanding, all those sort of things. And, um, you know, I've gone back to school, I've got degrees today. uh, And I think one of the most major things is I've got my son back in my life in a big, major way. Um, I've now got a granddaughter who I see as much as I possibly can. She does up in Shepparton, so it makes it a bit hard. But, you know, and uh, I've got my family, my dad's back, and my sister's back. now, like, it's, I'm, I'm a different person, totally different person altogether. I've had jobs. Um, I've kept jobs. Um, 
remember one time I was working as a car detailer, and I'm not really a car detailer, to be honest. I'm, you know, I'm washing <laughs> the car, but I can't detail. <laughs> but I gave it a shot, you know, and I was willing to give it a shot. And um, after two months of doing this job, the guy said, look, it's not working out. And I actually thanked him for sacking me. And, like, he's going, really? Like, you know, I just sacked you and you thanked me. But I, I was thanking him for the opportunity to give me a shot, you know, and I was yeah. really appreciative of that. Yeah. And these are sort of things, like, you know, amazing um, – you know, I remember little, little things like just being honest. Um, being honest is an amazing thing. You know, <laughs> I had no idea what honesty meant. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people don't understand that the need and the fact that you know I've talked to gamblers and alcoholics and drug addicts and people like that, and the level of dishonesty oh. is just amazing to keep this double life going. Yeah. And when they stop doing that, you know, it's completely different. But people just a lot of people just can't get the oh. So you've been dishonest, and like that's yeah. that's a way of life. Mm. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, if if um if I and I used to look at it, if I didn't know something, I'd make it up, yeah, and then convince you I was telling the truth, even if I knew it was a lie. Like it's <laughs> nowadays, I don't have to lie at all. You know, no. I mean, it was actually a bit of and like, you know, I think the and I've got amazing friends. I've got friends that really listen, and really actually generally care for me. You know, and like. I don't know about anyone else, when you're a bloke especially and you're in a bunch of room full of drag usually no one, no one cares about how you feel. No. You know, but uh, today I can talk about how I feel. I get emotional. I, cry. I actually cry today, which is pretty cool. You know, and, um, you know, like I just, the relationship with my son I think is really, really important for me. And uh, and a big shout out to you, mate. Um, Colin's his name, so yeah. a big shout out to him. But he's been an amazing part of my journey. And, um, not just a part of my uh, my active addiction, but also a major part of my recovery as well. You know, it's, yeah. um, big driving force there. Yeah, that's now good. I'm getting all emotional. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll cut across Dave. to you, Dave. Um, so, you, I think you said you um, decided to commit to NA. So, what does commit to NA mean? Commit to me, it's commitment for me uh, to NA is. I suppose not drifting off and realising that uh, it doesn't really matter what else comes into my life. Um, you know, I've had the experience where I've had relationships and work situations come in and, um, you know, I've drifted off and, and you know, I, I go away from the solution. I call it the solution, yep. you know, because I go into these rooms and I get well, you know, and I've got, I've got a head sometimes that just won't shut up that says to me that the best idea for you, son... Is to go and use a drug. Yeah. 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 <laughs> a solution, and, yeah. Yeah. And, and, like, it's not the truth. It's not the truth. And I realise that today. You know, I look at my life today and it's a bit like Johnny, you know. It's, I've, I've done a 180 degree flip. Yeah. You know, um, I, I had a, a situation, I remember I was doing, it was my first Christmas when I was, uh, I just got clean. I was about, about three or four months clean and, you know, I got happy and I got healthy. And my family come along, and we all met at my brother's, and you know they couldn't believe the change. Yeah, you it's, know, great it's amazing, mate. Yeah. And, and like what I what I got was they were happy for me. They were happy that you know I was clear headed. You know that I that I I was starting to function in life again. You know, and what I've what I've got so far since being in NA is I've got a peace of mind. You know, I haven't got that busy head that. I wake up in the morning and, you know, how do I get on? Yeah. You know, that's – and how do you say thank you to a, to a program that's giving you your life back? Like, it's, it's thank you enough. I know sometimes I, I just feel like I need to do more. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, you know, I'm becoming a, a functioning member of society that's uh, 
there's not ripping rotten the stealing off you. So yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> you know, like I think the community's probably grateful for that as well. Yeah. You know, um, you yeah. know. One one thing I was going to ask you about was um, resentments. I, you, off off air, you were talking earlier about the fact that when you first came to NA, you got a bit resentful and left for a resentment. So, what what do resentments do to you? Oh, resentments is it's all about me. Yeah. You know what what I'm not getting. You know, and I come into NA and um, you know I wanted to spruik what I knew or what I thought I knew, and I, you know I knew nothing about recovery. Yeah. I'm three months in and I'm thinking I got the gold. You know, and um, I got a I got a resentment on meetings because I wasn't able to share and I wasn't able to express my opinion. Um, you know, I could do it outside, but and, and like that was all about me. Uh, and um, you know, I was still I wasn't real well, you know, and um, I went out. You know, I, I left I left meetings because I thought, well, you know, they don't want to listen to me. That's not the case. You know, sometimes you've got to sit in a seat and you just got to listen. You know, it's your turn to listen. You've done enough speaking, son. You got to listen. You know, and um, so I, I I learned. I had to I had to experience something. You know, I had to experience that, um, you know, that this is the place for me and, and it doesn't matter how many detoxes or rehabs you do, you know, like you're only going to stay clean for a certain amount of time if you don't pick up new tools. Yeah. And, and I went to NA and they gave me new tools, you know, and I, I, um, I've, I've kept my seat this time, which is really good. You know, I've become committed, you know, in the way of, I keep on doing regular meetings. Like I still probably do ten meetings a week. Yeah. You know, for me, you know, I'm I'm a bit over two and a half years clean, and you know that's what I need. Yeah. You know, my family is there. You know, these are the people that I relate to and I trust. You know, there's a lot of trust in those rooms. You know, and to say that from a, a place where you're thinking nobody likes me, nobody trusts me, you know, and why blame them? You're a cheat, a thief, and a liar. Yeah. You know, yeah. when I'm out there using, but. Suddenly I'm in recovery. It's funny, I'll just, I'll just quickly touch on this. As you know, last time I ended up in court, the magistrate said to me, all drug addicts are thieves and liars. Yeah. I'm now working in a drug court. You know, I'm volunteering in a drug court. And the magistrate actually asked for my opinion. He asked <laughs> how things are going, you know, like how, how's that for a turnaround? Yeah. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Okay, uh, so John, you also are working back in the industry as well. So what what's that involve? Yeah, well, um, when I got a few degrees and I went back and I worked in rehabs as a support worker, um, where I'm just helping other addicts um, look at their own lives and look at their addiction, and hopefully looking at the recovery as well. And that's very, very fulfilling for me personally, you know. And um, so I'm saying one addict helping another. So there's no parallel to that. <coughs> Excuse me. I also um, speak at forums. I've spoken at forums with Turning Point. Um, I also do Rotary and a few other things. And, and that's just sort of raising awareness to the general public what it's like to be in addiction and also in recovery. Um, yeah. That's why I really appreciate, this, really appreciate what we're doing here today. And, uh, you know, I think if more people were aware of what uh, addiction's all about and that people like Dave and myself and, like, people where we've come from yeah. and where we are today are two different opposite people. Um, yeah, and that's what recovery gives you, and that's um, something I really appreciate doing. And uh, you know, I'll continue to um, you know to carry this message and carry the message of hope. You know, like I use like I was, I was an addict for thirty three years in active addiction. Like, not many people bounce back from that. But no, um, that's right. That's what the yeah. you know the NA has given me. Like, and Dave summed up beautifully. Um, 
Like I always look at um, drugs are my problem, but the problem is actually me, you know, and the solution is, is, a, is the NA program. You know, where drugs used to be my solution. The problem if I had any sort of emotional content, I had to put a drug in my system, my head would tell me to that. Cope, yeah. Yeah, and today I've got a better solution and that's through NA and, um, you know, I just continue to, to help other people in this sort of field. Um, I feel it's a passion. I definitely have a passion for recovery. Yeah. Um, okay. One, one thing I was going to ask you about was the, um, the definition, the addiction is a disease concept. Do you yeah. want to talk about that? Yeah, when I first heard that through NA, cause we talk about, uh, NA talks about the disease of addiction, and uh, I didn't believe that, to be honest, at first. So I did a bit of research, because um, I thought it was just a cop-out to make us feel better about ourselves, to be honest. Yeah. So I did a bit of research and found out that the World Health Organisation, um, American and even the Australian uh, Medical Association, Dr. Michael Gannon last year, released a press release um, in August last year stating that addiction is a complex brain disease. Yeah. Um, and if you look at Portugal, if anyone wants to take a look at the Portugal way they treat addiction over there, they treat it as a health issue over there. Crime rate dropped by 50%, addiction dropped by 50%. I mean, yeah. you know, if people understood that addicts don't choose... We may choose our first drug, same as every young person does. Every person picks up a drink or a drug mm. of some kind when they're young, we make that for but something switches in an addict where we can't turn it off. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's an addict in the in the later part of their addiction where they really wanted to use. No, you know, no. We that's... don't choose that lifestyle. We don't choose to continue to use. That's taken away from us. And and, uh, and that to me is the, the disease part of the addiction and um you know, NA and other 12-ship fellowships, they have the solution to that, you know, and that's what I love. It. And that's why I continue to do NA to spread out. I have a disease which needs to be treated on a daily basis. Yep, okay. Um, so, Dave, um, being being inspired by others and inspired to help others, so how does that play out in, in your life today? Uh, yeah, look, uh, I, I go to a few places. Um, you know, I'm involved in uh, Dandenong Drug Court and um, also do a lot of meetings as I suggested and um, I get inspiration from the new people coming coming in and you know a class of new people anything from 30 to 90 days you know and you know they, they're willing to do what it takes to you know to stop this this disease in their head you know, they, and, you know, and that's I, I find that refreshing you know I find it inspirational you know and unfo- unfortunately what happens sometimes is you know people get a glimmer of hope who, um, you know, we, we can, and that's exactly what Johnny and I are doing here. We stated, you know, we're, we're hopefully carrying a message of hope, you know, and for anybody that's listening out there that they believe that they've got a drug addiction or a drug problem, you know, all I can say is give Narcotics Anonymous a go because, like, for me, this is, in my experience, it's worked, yep. you know, and, um, you know, the Dandenong Drug Court that I've been involved in, like, we, we go along and we have uh, members come along and, uh, you know, they tell us a little bit about their story and, uh, you know, hopefully some of the, the guys there that are on drug treatment orders, they, they relate and, you know, we've, we've had a few come to a meeting but what, what, what happens every now and again, which is really, really sad, is, you know, you get a guy that he comes along and he, he does a meeting he has a little bit of hope and, and then you don't see him again. Yeah, you that's know, sad, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, very yeah. sad, mate. Mm-hmm. You know, we had one just recently who looked like he had a real promise and uh, about three weeks ago he passed away from an overdose. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the reality of uh, what we call a disease. You know? yeah. I've never seen a drug addict continue to use and their life get better. No, no. Uh, one thing I was going to ask you, 
John, was about we talked earlier about making amends, and one of your amends was pretty interesting. Do you want to just share that quickly? Yeah, um, <coughs> um, yeah. When I um, came out of my detox, my last detox, I looked at my phone, and uh, there was a message on my phone from this um, associate I'd known for over twelve years. And uh, he said, mate, if I ever see you again, I'm going to put a gun to your head and I'm going to pull the trigger. And, you know, like this sort of guy would do that. And um, when I went through the process of the of uh, the step work and amends comes up and, uh, like, I'd harmed him, of course, I had. And I need to make amends. And, uh, you know, I spoke to my sponsor. I said, yeah. I said well, what am I going to do with this? He said, look, just leave it for time. And, you know, something will happen down the track. And three years later, because I didn't change my phone number when I came in recovery, and uh, I get a phone call after three years. And it's from this guy. He says, mate, uh, I think we need to have a talk. And I'm thinking, oh, here we go. (laughs) Here comes the day the bullet goes in my head. And uh, I met him up in a a public shopping centre because I was a bit worried about (laughs) Although he's not going to shoot me in public. Well, hopefully not. And um, the funny thing is when uh, when I met up with him, he actually um, spoke to me. You could see that I'd changed. Like it was pretty obvious. The change was pretty obvious in me. And uh, he said, mate, I need help. You know, and he's um, in active addiction. He still is to this very day, but uh, I have a conversation with him quite often now. Um, like he's out there still using that his stuff, you know, but um, I've given him hope, you know, and when he's ready, you know, he knows where to go. And like from someone who wanted to shoot me, yeah. to someone who, who's asking for my help is like yeah. absolutely phenomenal. It's a, yeah. you know, it's and, a big um, change. Yeah. Massive change. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, so I think we'd better wrap it up there. Um, if, you're, if you'd like to find out more about Narcotics Anonymous and how they can help you, you can phone them on 03 9525 2833 or go online at navic.net.au. Uh, that's about all we've got time for today. So I'd like to thank John and Dave for coming into the 3CR studio this afternoon and sharing their Narcotics Anonymous recovery experience with us. Thanks. Thanks very no, much, thanks, Bill. Thanks for having us. I uh, hope you'll be able to join us next week when we'll be discussing the latest news about the medically supervised injecting room uh, centre in North Richmond and we'll be joined by some members of the Residents for Victoria Street Drug Solutions. Stay tuned now for Black Noise Radio, hosted by Kerry Lee and featuring black news and views, current affairs, music, sport, culture and the arts, all from an Aboriginal woman's perspective. Thanks for listening to the Living Free program today.